Hello, welcome. Good Monday afternoon, good Monday morning, depending on where you're watching. We're going to dive right in and recap the weekend action from week 11. There was a lot going on. Or no, that was week 12. I'm a week off since I wasn't yeah. wasn't here with you last week. Uh, <laughs> starting off from really the biggest game we had uh, last night, um, or biggest game was last night, Eagles-Packers, one of the more surprising games, I guess, there. Ended up being a shootout. It was the highest scoring first quarter in the league this year, I believe, uh, if I heard that correctly on the game last night. And the big news is Aaron Rodgers' injury impact. Uh, left the game yeah. early. Jordan Love came in. What were you thinking? Did you? I'm sure you watched most of this game as I did as an Eagles fan, as a Packers fan here. We were tuned in pretty much the whole night. It was, well, first of all, it was a roller coaster in the first quarter. Then it was a roller coaster that crashed when Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. And like there's these vectors that you're trying to deal with. First of all, Eagles are trying to secure this game that's going back and forth and like unbelievably high scoring. Packers are trying to are fighting for what was left of their playoff life, life mm -hmm. at this point. And this developing situation where Rodgers stays in the game, gets them down in the field goal range, and then it, it like gets worse and worse and worse. Oh, he leaves the field. Oh, he's going to the tunnel. Oh, his shirt's off. Like, you know, oh, he's, you know, he's driving home, whatever. And, <laughs> and, and, and of course, like, I, I realize it's like we're not going to get any resolution on this injury by the end of the night. By the end of the night, Aaron Rodgers was coming back and, you know, downplaying it mm -hmm. to a degree now we're in this nether region where we're trying to figure out where the actual injury begins and where the layers of intrigue end as we start wondering well should he miss a week should he be shelved you know like should jordan i mean is, we're talking about we're, we're still waiting on like mris about well is it an oblique injury aaron Rodgers says he isn't aaron Rodgers says vaccinations aren't real so whatever you know he's not a good <laughs> not a reliable narrator for his own health. We're seeing if he's got, you know, bruised ribs, whatever. There's a lot going on. I guess I asked you as a Packers fan, what do you want to see play out in the days and weeks to come? Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, kind of conflicting for me. And you mentioned, you know, with the injury, already had the avulsion fracture of his thumb, which is is very painful, was playing through. It actually looked pretty good last night, though. Uh, kept him in the game. They was throwing the ball well uh, for the most part. Now this rib or oblique injury, which is really tough for quarterbacks, he said it hurts when he would throw the ball or even turn to hand off. As a right. quarterback, you've got to have that rotation, obviously throwing the ball, handing off anything. So that's tough. I would like to see more of Jordan Love just to see what they've got. You know, they've got to make the decision on his uh, fifth-year option uh, prior to next year. Uh, he's going into his fourth year, and we'll talk about someone who did not have their fifth-year option picked up and is having a great year in a minute. But Packers aren't mathematically out of the playoffs. We know what Rodgers can do when he gets hot if he's healthy enough. Uh, they've got the Bears, who you know he doesn't want to sit against the Bears, especially in Chicago. He wants to go out there and just own them again one last time, possibly. And then they've got the bye, and then they've got the Rams. Who, so it looks like a couple wins they could get right back into the playoff picture. Uh, they're three games out. Washington has the seven spots. They do have the tiebreaker over Green Bay, but Dallas is up there in the wild card as well. Um, got the tiebreaker. Green Bay has the tiebreaker, but then the Giants as well. So two of the wild card teams right now have the tiebreaker over Green Bay, but yeah. uh, one of them does. And there's still a lot of football left to play. But is it better to put my, put in love? I don't think this Green Bay team can win the Super Bowl. I don't think many people do. Again, they can get hot, but is it better? to put him in and potentially lose a few more games, have better draft position, or make a run to the playoffs, not win the Super Bowl, perhaps a divisional round or NFC Championship game if they get hot, but get blown out like they did against Atlanta in 2016, San Francisco in 2019. Like No one's expecting them to win the Super Bowl. I definitely don't expect them to win the Super Bowl. Uh, they played Philadelphia well, but they, they still – it didn't seem like they were ever really going to win it to me just because the defense could not stop. Right. The Eagles on the ground it was horrible. With 363 rushing yards, I think. 363 rushing yards. That's the most the Packers have let up since 1977. Walter Payton yeah. and, and the Bears had like 375, I think, against them. Yeah, so it was it was ugly. and I, But, again, we've heard – and in the preseason, he looked a lot better, loved it this preseason than he did last preseason – Came out looked really good last night. You know, the, the Watson touchdown was more of Watson's speed and just, yes. you know, outrunning everyone. But Jordan Love made a good throw. He hit him on the run across the middle. He was able to take off. Uh, made some really good throws. The uh, third down conversion to Alan Lazard just before that. The throw to Aaron Jones, kind of the back shoulder there on the sideline that Jones, I think, normally catches. Should have caught that. Is a running back. Sometimes he, he has some of those. But looked a lot better than he has in the past against a – a good defense where it's not like he came in and they were down 30. 
They right. were down two scores, I believe. It was four, 10 or 14 and, like, still had a shot to win. Right. Uh you know, that defense was still playing. So I would like to see a little bit more, but it's hard to sit Rodgers when he's healthy. He's still better than Jordan Love when he's healthy, uh, especially if they do want to make that playoff run. It's just at this point you're kind of wagering or uh, weighing your draft position versus maybe making it to the divisional round of the playoffs. Yeah, and there's a couple of things. First of all, football outsiders, 4% chance of making the playoffs for the Packers. So eh, it's not particularly great. Secondly, you're talking about Christian Watson. I just saw him at Offensive Rookie of the Year plus 700. Mm. This is a guy with six touchdown catches in his last three games, trending in the right direction. Kenneth Walker is the favorite. He had two touchdowns, but didn't do much else yesterday. Interesting play. If you're a a Packers booster, Christian Watson, probably a lot of meat on that bone, but for you as a fan, and you talked about the playoff hassles of the last couple Mm. of years and the high expectations. And, and, And I call the Packers fan situation, all wins and no fun. Mm-hmm. All, all wins and no joy you win a regular season game well yeah we're supposed to oh you yep. beat the bears oh yeah we're supposed to and then you're waiting for this playoff heartache it can't be easy to look at the rest of the season and say well maybe we squeak in as the third wild card seed and have a game like this where we get our butts handed to, to by the packers there has to be like a a, a level of like finality here of saying mm-hmm. you, you know you we know rogers is better than love etc yeah it must be appealing to at least think about a change yeah, absolutely. And like I've been kind of been saying it for a couple of weeks where they were just losing and losing. Like you're never just going to shut down Rodgers if he's healthy, but you do want to see what you've got in a guy. And again, going out against the Bears gives him, or it's a really good matchup for him. Um, also, getting a mo- having a mobile quarterback. Rodgers is still a little mobile, but I think Love is a little bit more mobile. And on the broadcast last night, they were talking about you kind of in this day and age, are we at the point where if you don't have a mobile quarterback, you're at a disadvantage in seeing if Love can be mobile and throw the ball well? He, he, Again, we know has a big arm. It was just always – we knew he was a raw talent coming out, just needed some time to develop. Rodgers did the same thing, so maybe it is. I would like to see it's just a hard hard decision between sitting a healthy Rodgers. You know he's not going to want to sit if he's healthy, even if he's if he's injured. If he thinks he can play, he can go out there. So I would love to see more of him. Uh, again, you know, if, if they send out Rodgers and they lose to the Bears, I think it's a no-brainer after that because you're pretty much out of the, the playoffs. If they win – Again, you've got the bye and the Rams, and we're still going to be talking. Hey, they're still in it. They're not out of it. Once you make the playoffs, anything can happen. So it's I don't I, I guess I can't really say yes. I want to see him play Jordan Love or not because it means Rodgers is on the bench even if he's healthy enough. Uh, but it would be nice to be able to see Love play three four games at the end of the year. Yeah, and we know the narrative of you know Rodgers could go out there hurt and beat the Bears. Mm-hmm. Rogers also knows that narrative and he also knows Jordan Love could go out there and play at a substandard level and yep. beat the Trevor Simeon or Nathan <laughs> Peterman led Bears and, and I think Rogers is is weighing some of this in like he doesn't want to sit out a week and suddenly there's Jordan Love is the toast of the town yep. and he has to justify his existence very delicate situation but from a fantasy standpoint though this doesn't have I mean obviously Rogers is a big deal but for guys like Aaron Jones etc it doesn't really mean much for fantasy players, does it? Who who starts a quarterback? Yeah, I don't think they're still gonna you know try and run the ball. You know, teams may not uh, be afraid of the pass as much as they would with Aaron Rodgers. But again, the way Jordan Love looked pretty good, um, yeah. you know, comes out and is playing playing well. I think he's still gonna be able to get Christian Watson the ball uh, again. We only have right now what nine passes to go off of. They had a couple runs right. in there last night, um, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't think it would affect them. A ton. They're probably going to drop out a guy like Randall Cobb, who most people aren't really starting, but has been pretty relevant lately because he's Rogers' guy. He trusts him to go for him. Uh, Jordan Love may not look to him as much, uh, or Alan Lazard. You know, he's still the top. Well, I guess a one A and one B maybe now with Lazard and Watson. Yeah. Uh, but they're still, you know, going to be the top guys. They don't really have much else. It's not like a, a Trevor Simeon or Nathan Peterman's going out there where like they're not <laughs> even going to be able to get the ball to these receivers. Right. Like he's going to be good enough. But yeah, I don't. I'm with you. I don't think there's too much of a drop off fantasy wise for those guys, especially the way Rodgers has played this year. You know, it hasn't been great for him. You know, the, the guys have had some big games, but it hasn't been like last year or the year before where there's a huge drop off when you get first year or second year Jordan Love out there. Would you throw a waiver pickup at Jordan Love? Oh, potentially. Yeah, if you if you depends on where you're sitting right now. I guess you're looking a couple pretty much two weeks. We've got week 13 and week 14 of the last couple of weeks. I don't know if he would start over anybody that most guys have at quarterback, maybe in the two quarterback league, or right. if you're in 
a keeper league, like one of my, my home league, a keeper, if you, if he wasn't drafted, you can keep him uh, in a later round or a dynasty league. I'd imagine he's probably on a team in a dynasty league, yeah. uh, but keeper leagues, maybe if he wasn't drafted, take a chance on him. Or, you know, like people did with fields after his first big game, uh, mm-hmm. you know, people maybe weren't sold on him and just take a chance on him maybe for the stretch run. Um, but I mean, at this point, you know, if you've got someone to drop, if you're especially comfortably in the playoffs and have a couple guys that you're like, right you know very bottom of the bench i mean it, it's always always worth it or mostly worth it taking a chance on some of those guys in case they pop off especially down the stretch or or for the next year if, you, if you've got some keeper rules in there yeah turn your bench especially if you know you had stafford and you're just yep you you got these guys who are cuttable at this point it's, it's yeah. worth a little bit of a bench churn yeah so always always possible there uh sticking with quarterbacks too we're gonna stick with this game but move to the other side jalen hurts had over 100 yards in the first quarter rushing last night. Uh, set the Eagles franchise record for rushing yards in a game. Became just the third quarterback to have, I believe it was 150 or 125 passing and rushing yards in a game. I forget what yes. the, which of those numbers was. But having a great game. Potential MVP, and we know Mahomes <laughs> is still the front runner right now. Uh, Going to be hard to beat him. Do you think – uh, Hertz has a legit shot to win, or do you think Mahomes would have to have a, a very unexpected fall to win it? I think if everything just goes status quo, Mahomes is going to win the award. He, he leads the NFL in passing yards. He leads the NFL in in passing touchdowns, and he's Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And, uh, and and of course, we get all of that. And he's safe harbor for a voter too. You know, as a voter goes and and, and they look at the at what they're going to do, Mahomes is a safe, sturdy selection who had who clicks all the boxes whereas Jalen Hurts having an unusual combination of uh, elements to an MVP season what I was looking for was value on the MVP board and I was looking for some Eagles homerdom too but I can't in good conscious Eagles homer the way ah Jalen Hurts is better than Patrick Holmes you can't do that but looking for value on the board and that was tricky Uh, as you look at this board Hurts at about plus 350. I don't know. Again, it's a, it's got to be like a fall from grace from Mahomes for that to happen. Yeah. What's interesting is on the board is Tua Tonga Viola has been creeping up the boards. And yep. I believe it's unchanged this week, but he creeped up in recent weeks. Yep, 500. Play. He was five plus 500 this week and last week unchanged there. And you mentioned Hurts at 350. He was at 550 last week. Okay. So he made a pretty good jump there uh, after this right. weekend. Right. 550 would have been good meat on the bone. And I put together a portfolio for some of these things. And I'm looking at what what is Mahomes minus 160 right now? Yep, that's um, right. He dropped or went from 150 to 160. If I'm going and I'm putting a couple of props down at this point, minus 160 is not a bad value. If you're mm-hmm. balancing that out with a bunch of prop bets and you're saying, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a real flyer on offensive rookie of the year because I, I think Christian Watson's gonna pull it out, et cetera. Going in there and, and, and playing Mahomes at that value makes as much sense as anything. Certainly makes more sense, by the way, than Micah Parsons. We don't have this up here. He's minus twelve hundred wow. for defensive play. Minus twelve hundred. <laughs> he doesn't even lead the league in sacks. Matt Judon leads the league in sacks. I think he's at plus seventeen hundred right now. So if I'm doing if I'm doing props, I might take Judon because mm-hmm. you know what if he gets he's got three prime time games coming up. What if he gets two sacks in each one? Then. Diversify, get Mahomes in there, and get your sort of safe pick as well. Yeah, the one that was surprising to me for MVP um, was Josh Allen. He's fourth on the list. Last week he was plus seven hundred, and this week they have him at plus fourteen hundred. Yeah, that's one that you you know if he has a a hot hot end of the season like we know he can, mm-hmm. uh, could be a pretty good payout there. But I was just surprised that he was that low. It was another late-game turnover on Thanksgiving. And all of his late-game turnovers tend to be in high-profile games. You're Josh Allen. You're on TV a lot. These are high-profile games. So when when the voters sit down, unless he gets really hot, unless there's a fall from grace, those interceptions, those specific plays are going to matter. Those cost his team victories, opportunities, et cetera. And that's probably – I think he's probably at fair value there. Again, I wouldn't mind – I would consider a flyer on it. But I, I'm not a true believer in him at this point. Yeah, as well as he's had too many of those. If it had just been a game or two, uh, he'd be a little bit higher. But it's been what yeah. three or four times now in the last five weeks. He's he's had some uh, some boneheaded uh, turnovers that that really cost him. So right, gonna see. But like like you said, Mahomes. Unless there's some huge fall from grace or he gets hurt, uh, even yeah. at that point, you know, maybe they, they would keep him. People, I'm sure, would still vote for him uh, <laughs> if he got hurt, especially if if they really struggled. Uh, 
from that point on without him, like the old Peyton Manning case of he should be MVP even when he didn't play because they were so bad without him. <laughs> right. Uh, but it would take a lot for Mahomes to lose it. It gets ghoulish to do that. Like, oh, based on the injury, I'm going to do this. That is kind of what you're doing at this time in prop bet season where it's like, well, I'm, I might put like, like the randomness of an injury taking a guy down. It's interesting. I was looking at Geno Smith. We we talked about this a few weeks ago. I took Geno Smith at plus 2,000 yep. uh, in, in mid-October. He's, I believe, at minus 300 right now. And he Geno Smith is at the point where, again, he could get hurt in like a game or two. And he'd probably still be comeback player of the year. Everything that needs to be done is done yeah. for that individual. I, I don't think it's quite the same for Mahomes, but you do reach that point where it's like, yeah, he, he's he's demonstrated that he is who he claims to be. Yeah, the surprise one would be, uh mentioned the waiver claim, Rodgers gets shut down, Jordan Love leads the Packers to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. What are the Packers getting right now? I'm curious to look that up. Hey, George Cook asked uh, – he needs to outscore Pittman tonight to win Steelers or Colts defense. George, I mean, it starts with what is the defensive scoring? We might not be able to answer the question on there. This is not necessarily a fantasy show. But if you get a lot of points for sacks, if it's not just a you know a turnover or uh, base thing, the Steelers are going to get a lot of sacks. They're going to get a lot of sacks against that Colts offensive line. Yeah, Steel, uh, Colts defense has been good too, but that was tough because that, that's what I've – we're going to talk about in a little bit Monday Night Football, looking at some prop bets. Um, mm-hmm. I like Pittman <laughs> as one of them, so that's going to be tough. But okay. both of the defenses have been really good lately, so it's almost like a coin flip, I would think, on those two. Like you said, the the sacks, I think, with Pittsburgh uh, could give them the edge, and they've just – with T.J. Watt back, and uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, I believe, is back too. I didn't catch that. Uh, I think he played last week. Okay. Um, but, you know, they gave up a ton to Cincinnati, but Indianapolis is not Cincinnati, so Pittsburgh – uh, the defense uh, could have a, a pretty good night there uh, with you. Did you find Green Bay on there? Is that what you were looking up? NFC to reach the Super Bowl, reach the Super Bowl. Packers at plus 15,000. Oh, wow. <laughs> One, five, zero, zero, zero. So, Ian, if you're feeling it, feeling it. If you're feeling it, put a $5 bet on that. Yeah. Okay. It's a, a I'm, not, big... I'll just, I'm just going to get a, a quarter pound big bite from 7-Eleven with that money. <laughs> but you can play the Packers with that. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm uh, probably not going to. I'm a very pessimistic fan. Uh, being a Packers fan lately, been a Kentucky fan, Kentucky football, basketball, they always find a way to let mm-hmm. me down. So I'm probably going to pass on that. I don't, again, I don't think there's any shot that Green Bay has the rest of the year. But crazier things have happened. One of those, going to stick with talking quarterbacks. Today's a quarterback show. Mike White, the Jets, huge game yesterday. Uh, has he saved the Jets? This year, I can't imagine at least next week they're going back to Zach Wilson. They're not going back to Zach Wilson. I, I saw some people saying this is a quarterback controversy. This is not a quarterback controversy. This is Mike White is the quarterback right now and probably for the rest of the season. Uh, Quincy Avery, who's a great follower on Twitter, must have just reviewed the film this morning, and his response was, Mike White played quarterback like an adult. <laughs> and that's it. And I talk about it in my walkthrough, and I say, he knows how to check down. He knows how to find a wide open receiver. He he doesn't make ridiculously foolish decisions. And like playing it like an adult is the key there. Zach Wilson, like like we spent last week just breaking down Zach Wilson, and it got a little like a little like negative at the end there. But yeah. the reality is, this was a person who was going back there, and if that first read wasn't open, didn't seem to have basic concepts of the plays. Didn't know where his secondary read was. Didn't know what his pre-snap read was. Was scripting where the ball was going to go and was getting increasingly confused by what he was watching. Mike White was not phenomenal. Three touchdowns look great on paper, but like it's a rainy day. The Bears' defense is depleted. Guys are falling down. He's getting these opportunities. He just got the ball to the right spot. And the Jets have a really, really good defense. They have strong special teams. They've got very good playmakers in Wilson um, and Mims and some of these other guys, and they all look like themselves again because he was getting them the ball, and that's going to make the Jets very likely a playoff game. Yeah, White had, I think I saw, had more passing yards and either more touchdowns or the same amount of touchdowns in the first half yesterday. Had 215 uh, or 235 yards and two touchdowns that Zach Wilson had in his last two games. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God, that's brutal. That's yeah, brutal. So- and most of it was just taking what the defense mm-hmm. gives you. Like, literally, the amount of times where it's a shallow cross, he gets it. He looks downfield. He goes to the tight end because nothing's open downfield. Looks downfield. 
goes to the running back, eight yards, seven yards, moves the chain, gets the running game involved, gets the secondary tertiary receivers involved. That was all it is. It's taking what the offense defense gives you instead of giving the defense things that they didn't even think they were going to get. And that's what Zach Wilson was doing. Like here, here's an interception. You didn't even really work for yeah. Take the ball. But, and it, it's ball. Also, he was playing Chicago as well. Whose defense is one of the worst in the league in DVOA, yeah. if not dropped down to the worst, I actually didn't check that. Um, hadn't looked at that, but I think they were 28th going into this game. Uh, if I'm not mistaken now, they are Chicago's 31st, 31st against the pass and 28th against the rush. So it was a big help that he had had that Bears defense on the other side, but still they look a lot better. And fantasy-wise just opens it up more for Garrett Wilson. You mentioned Elijah Moore uh, yes. had a, a pretty good game, only two catches, but 64 yards and a touchdown mm-hmm. uh, after being kind of banished from the team there for a while just about <laughs> a month ago. Right. Perhaps James Robinson uh, is, is a play here too. He was a – Healthy and active yesterday, but Michael Carter got hurt. Uh, ankle injury, not sure of the severity. Uh, last I saw, they're still waiting uh, to get the results on that. But if it keeps him out, he's a, a could be a good choice if they bring him out. If not, even Ty Johnson could step up. He's had some success yeah. with him in limited action. Had five carries for 62 yards and a touchdown yesterday. Added a 16-yard catch. So Mike White does make this whole offense better. I think we, yeah. he had the really good game last year, too, in his first start. Got hurt in the second game. Um, had like 90-something yards and a touchdown, though, and a couple drives, and just makes them a lot better. And you mentioned the defense. You don't have to do a ton uh, on that offensive side for the Jets because that defense has been really good and been able to limit a lot of teams. So uh, could keep them going. Again, I think all of the AFC East is still in the playoff picture as of right now. Is that correct after this week, too? That is correct. In fact, AFC East odds coming up as soon as I scroll down to find them. Where'd you put them? You know the NFC East is still there. AFC East, New England Patriots, 47.1% playoff chance. Jets, 65.9%. Dolphins, 87.6%. And Buffalo, 956 There's a very good chance you'll see three. And it's still a reasonable chance you'll see four teams yep. from the AFC East in there. Jets, by the way, have the Vikings in Minnesota coming up. I, it's going to be an interesting game. I think that's a potential win for the Jets now. Yeah, that, and again, the defense is going to going to have to play well, but they've been playing really well. And we've seen Minnesota, especially Kirk Cousins at times, look really good and then look really bad. I don't believe that's a primetime game, so maybe he'll be safe, safe from <laughs> right. that. <laughs> right. He was a little both on Thanksgiving night. Yeah, I think I saw that most of his struggles primetime-wise were uh, Monday night games where he's had a lot of struggles, has been a little bit better in those other games. So, uh, big one for the Jets there to keep things going against a, a really good team in Minnesota. Going to go away from quarterbacks now. We've been talking about quarterbacks this whole show. Josh Jacobs is having just a phenomenal year. I uh, don't think anyone really saw this coming, but has he saved the Raiders either for this year or just in general? I know you and I talked about McDaniels has come up a couple times on different shows about his job, thinking he should be safe, but Josh Jacobs has really helped him a lot uh, here this season. Yeah, it, you can't really save the Raiders season in terms of playoffs. 2.3% chance of making the playoffs. Less than even the Packers. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you can, sorry. Uh, but you can talk about saving Josh McDaniels' job, flipping a narrative that we were at two weeks ago, which is maybe McDaniels is one and done. Oh, no, they can't fire McDaniels because Mark Davis is broken. He can't keep paying ex-coaches. And, and like this thing, and it has now shifted over to, oh, this team now has some dignity. We now has a little bit more of identity. You can get a, a sense of what McDaniels is trying to build because Jacobs is running very well. He's often running very well from an eye formation, from an offense that looks a little bit like the 2029-2020 Patriots offenses that were more run-oriented as Brady aged and Brady gave way to Mac Jones and Cam Newton for a year. You're seeing more of that. And this is important for the program of the Las Vegas Raiders because last thing they did was another year of this is nothing but controversy about coaches and how much money the owner has, et cetera, et cetera. Now it looks like, no, we've restored order. This is dignity. that This team will come out, you know, seven and ten, not ideal or whatever, but somewhere in that range. And you can look to, hey, next year. Well, we don't know about Jacobs next year, but you know Devontae was there. Max Crosby's there. You don't know this about Derek Carr either. But you know the program is not just a complete fiasco like, say, the Denver Broncos. Yeah, and you mentioned their playoff odds are not good down below yeah. 3%. They're three games out of the wild card right now. They've got games against the Chargers, 
at the Rams against New England at Pittsburgh and then San Francisco and Kansas City at oh, home. <laughs> Maybe three and three at best over that stretch. I think wins against the Rams, New England, yeah. and Pittsburgh are possible. They could lose to New England or Pittsburgh, really, any of those teams. Um, so it's going to be tough. Yeah, I see them as a team that like that they should be able to beat the Steelers. Yeah, like they go into that level where okay, we've we've notched up above some of those other bottom field feeders, and that's how you come out of the season in one place. And I gotta tell you, my bartender was bragging. I think he said he took Josh Jacobs in the sixth round of his mm-hmm. of his fantasy draft, and he got yelled at and ridiculed for doing it. Um, Jacobs has had absolutely unbelievable fantasy impact, right? Absolutely. There's always one of those those guys or a couple of those guys where um, a lot of times we talk about the guys that no one's going to be like, oh, it's a great pick. No one's gonna, oh, it's a terrible pick. It's some of those safe guys. Josh Jacobs and those guys that I think no one really wanted any of, mm-hmm. uh, not expecting him. He, we did our staff projection predictions at the beginning of the year. And, you know, we had the question who what's one player you think will exceed his Kubiak projection. I picked Cortland Sutton. That has not gone well. Guys who you think will fall short of their Kubiak projection, I picked Josh Jacobs. That's not going well either. I think he's probably already exceeded it. But was kind of on board. A lot of other people, you know, were saying the same things. Just there were for for Josh Jacobs, he was pretty much left for dead the offseason. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. They drafted Zamir White in the fourth round in March. Within three days of each other, brought in Brandon Bolden and Amir Abdullah. Yeah, so bringing in these running backs not picking up his option and just not expecting much. He plays in the Hall of Fame game. Has yeah. a pretty good role there, which doesn't happen for your starters. And so he, he really fell down draft boards, wasn't expecting, but has been awesome this year. And he actually did start off kind of slow this year. Mm-hmm. Um, in PPR, the first three three weeks, he had 8.3, 9.114.7. So he went 38th uh, finish among running backs, 28th and 15th, but then has gone second, Third, second, had 41st against New Orleans when they got shut out. Right. Was 18th against Jacksonville with 11.7 points, and then has gone back and has been sixth, seventh, and first best running backs over the last three weeks. So has just dominated this year. Had three over 300 yards from scrimmage yesterday. Had the the game winner in overtime, 86 yards. I don't think many, really, anyone saw this coming. It was Amir White was pretty popular, I think, in best yeah. ball drafts late. I actually did get Josh Jacobs in a best ball draft. I uh, got like had Nick Jacobs. I went with receivers first. I think I got Justin Jefferson and then in the one that I'm doing best in Justin Jefferson and then Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs. So it's been pretty good. I'm leading my, my group or my league. So I'm going to at least advance to the next round. It seems like with just two games to go, but yeah, has been an absolute rock star. One of those guys you you're, you're not going to bench him. Like you mentioned, you can get him in the sixth round. He was like around 20th, mid twenties uh, running mm-hmm. back rankings preseason. Right. So didn't have to pay up high for him, and you're getting a running back one on your team late in the round, along with whatever running back one or or top wide receiver you took. So it's been good if you have have Josh Jacobs. So really doing a, a really good job, not really expected at all. So it's been a great year for him and, and a contract year, like we said. He's They didn't pick up his option. He's said to be an unrestricted free agent unless they come to terms. Yeah, and, and you know what? I'm trying to figure out what happens next because, yeah, there's no fifth-year option. It's unlikely that they're going to break the bank. Again, the, the Raiders are a little cash-strapped. And one name pops into my head as I look at this guy about to embark on free agency, and it's Le'Veon Bell. Okay, mm-hmm. Last thing anyone wants to do is go out there and say, this is the running back. This is the running back who's going to exceed expectations on their second contract. And yet we, we're seeing Derrick Henry do pretty well in his mm-hmm. second contract. We do see it. But when you go out and get the guy, I do not know what the future holds for Josh Jacobs. But – what, I, what I'm curious to see at the end of this season, would a team that like is the, like the mythical one player away, the Buffalo yep. Bills, for example, the mythical one player away, is that what Josh Jacobs will become for some team in the future? Or are we really going to see like the ultimate test of the running backs don't matter? Everyone recognizes the analytics are true and you shouldn't invest in a running back in free agency. Or is Josh Jacobs likely the rushing, t- very possibly the rushing title leader this, this season? Yep going to go out and break the bank in free agency it's going to be very interesting to find out yeah and the Raiders could franchise tag him but again I think it's over 12 million that figure would be for him like you said the Raiders don't have a lot of cash I can't imagine that they would I mean they may I wouldn't say can't imagine they wouldn't franchise tag them right the Raiders (laughs) so well I mean they never know but it doesn't seem likely right right because that escrows all the money guaranteed Weird decision for McDaniels, who knew from the from the Patriots that you can get committees mm-hmm. and you can kind of draft a guy. 
All right, Patrick Sealy says it best. Mahomes doesn't get the MVP award because he's too good. That's almost what I was arguing at the beginning of the uh, of this show. It's like, yeah, but it's Mahomes. That's just boring. Giving him the award's boring, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's that's a fallacy. We shouldn't think that way. And Mahomes should be and is the favorite right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mahomes, um, and again, Josh Jacobs will have to see what happens with him uh, coming up in the offseason. Again, he's good, set to be unrestricted free agent unless they – agree to terms on a deal or his franchise tag. So uh, to be determined on Josh Jacobs, who's having a, an awesome year. So we'll look forward now to Monday night. We've got a game that's not the most exciting, uh, maybe not exciting at all. Steelers plus two at the Colts, 39 and a half point total. In the not so distant past, this was a premier matchup. Uh, yes. we've, we've come a long way from that, though. It, it's no longer such. Our projections actually have the Steelers as favorites with a projected line between about a half point and a one in favor of Pittsburgh. Okay. I, I don't know. What, are, what do you think on this one tonight if you had to pick? This is a tough one. I would lean towards the Steelers. You're starting to see signs of life from Kenny Pickett. Um, you're starting to see signs of life from their defense, which has some of their guys back. We talked about it along the way. And your mileage varies on how much uh, – trust or distrust you have in the Jeff Saturday experiment. Yep. So Colts go out there and they get that like win because it's new and everybody's like on, on edge because there's a new guy in there. Then you get the, Oh, they face the Eagles. He's out there doing push-ups before the game. He's Mr. Soundbite, whatever. And they do play the team cup tough. Yep. Eventually it comes down to, you got to get in there and you've got a game plan for your opponents. You got to put scripts together. You've got to be in these meetings. You got to be in protection meetings. You have to do all the things that, a head coach does, and you have to do all the things an offensive coordinator does because he got fired a couple weeks ago. And right now, there's like a void where those players, where those coaches are, and they're being filled by a guy from the Ring of Honor. So, with all those things in considered, I would lean towards the Steelers. That said, I lean towards being in bed by about 9:30 Eastern time tonight and not really paying any attention to this game unless you have props that are going to keep me excited and invested in this game. I do have some. This was tough. Um, to, I, I expect to be in bed pretty early tonight, too. Last night kept me up late watching the Packers. I expected to be in bed at halftime of that one with them yes. just getting absolutely crushed, and, and they, they played it close, so they kept me up late. Um, but yeah, I've got some picks here, and like most of i got a couple from each side. First is the Colts side of it. Um, okay. I like Michael Pittman over 66.5 receiving yards. Now, I want to say, too, first, both of these defense have been good this year. They're both top half of the league, yeah. especially over the last couple of weeks, too. The Colts have been better against the pass than the run. Steelers better versus the run than the pass. But both are still top 11 in each. So, it's, again, that's why I mentioned it was tough because both these defenses are so good and, and uh, or, or, or have been very good lately. But the Pittman over 66 and a half, he's gone over this in four of his eight games with Matt Ryan under center that Pittman played. He didn't miss one game. He had 53, 58, and 59 in three others. So he was really close. Right. Seen six plus targets in all those games, eight plus in all but two. And Pittsburgh's only 20th against wide receiver ones this year. I know a lot of that was without TJ Watt in the lineup, kind of uh, able to, to create as much yeah. pressure doing what he does. But I like Pittman. He, I think he's going to get the work and be able to get there. And then Paris Campbell, over 44 and a half receiving yards yeah. for Indianapolis. He's got 57 plus in four straight Matt Ryan starts, averaging nine and a half targets per game. Now, Pittsburgh is seventh against wide receiver twos, but they're allowing 57 yards per game to wide receiver two. So I think it could be a game where both of those get there. I mean, you look, that's only, uh, what, 110 uh, yards total, 111 <laughs> yards total from Matt Ryan, given each of those guys 10, 10 targets possibly, the way he's been targeted them lately. I think those are two on the Colts side that I really like. <laughs> yeah, and I really like the Paris Campbell one because I've seen a lot of the new Matt Ryan, Jeff Saturday, Matt Ryan is probably calling his own plays mm -hmm. offense. And it's very much Matt Ryan saying, screw this. Here you go, Paris. Hike, get ball. Screw this. Here you go, Paris. A lot of the screen, super quick slant, et cetera, get the ball out of his hands. And, and you know, when we talk about DVOA, I mean, it's an important tool for this. But when you're doing props, if it's third and 17 and Paris Campbell gets a nine-yard screen pass, that's, that helps your prop. Yep. That helps your prop there. So, you know, we're, we're measuring everything, including are you really helping the team? But from a prop standpoint, these guys who get a little bit of that garbage time production can be useful. So I'm definitely playing that one with Campbell. And I think you're right. Pittman can, is getting his opportunities as well. And I don't see this shut down CB1 situation mm -hmm. 
by a stretch for the Steelers. Yeah, and Paris Campbell, another I didn't have it on here, but just thinking about it, it to score a touchdown. He scored a touchdown in prior to last week in Matt Ryan's last three starts. So hmm. Matt Ryan looks to him in that in that red zone area and down near the the goal. I think one was a longer touchdown. Right, um, it was against the Raiders. It was like a slant, and he's faster than anybody on the Raiders. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> But him to get in the end zone, I think, is good. Again, he scored in three straight Matt Ryan starts uh, and has all the a lot of the targets there. So that one. And then on the Pittsburgh side, um, you mentioned Kenny Pickett started showing signs of life, but I like the under one and a half passing touchdowns. So yeah. he hasn't thrown for multiple touchdowns once this year, only three total touchdown passes in seven games. And mm-hmm. Indy started off kind of slow. They allowed multiple touchdown passes in three of their first four games, but have allowed only one multi-touchdown game since and that was in week 10 against the Raiders it was kind of recently but they've got a couple games giving up no passing touchdowns and all those other games just giving up one since then so pick it uh, I think under one and a half and then Pat Fryermuth over 44 and a half receiving yards he's been the target leader on this team he leads them with 24 percent target share over his last uh four games since returning from a one game absence due to injury he's got 57 yards or more and three of those four had 36 in the other and he's seen seven-plus targets in each of those last four games as well. Indianapolis only allowing 43.6 yards per game, but are 28th against tight ends. So I think Fryermuth is able to get over again there. Just Again, he's getting a ton of targets. Uh, Pickett's looking to him a lot. So I think yeah. it, you know, it only takes four or five catches for him, You know, getting a ten, couple 10-yarders over the middle uh, and maybe even you know a longer one to get there. I think he gets that pretty easily. Yeah, Fryermuth is like Pickett's. Paris Gamble, like, whoop, don't want the ball. Here you go. Get to right over the middle. And you're right. In terms of the passing touchdowns, I don't think the Steelers have a concept to get the ball to a receiver in the end zone, with the exception of George Pickens' jump ball in the corner, that kind of thing. Like, they are so horizontal with their passing game that when you get into the red zone, it's like, okay, we're going to try another receiver screen concept, another bootleg concept. Those things don't tend to work in the red zone. And I can see, again, Pickett the Pickens, one – touchdown, you know, 20-yard or fade type of thing. I can't see that happening for two, so I definitely love that prop as well. Yep. And Najee Harris got in the end zone twice last week. Both of those were rushing touchdowns as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so running the ball, they run the ball a lot there. Uh, he's got 20 carries in his last two games as well, uh, 90 and 99 yards. Uh, one of them he had like a over a third of his production came on one run. Um, yeah. But his rushing total, for those that are interested, is – at 17 and a half carries. So um, that could be a decent one. They've been giving him the ball a lot lately. Yeah. Now, absolutely. we did pretty well. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Couple of couple of things. Um, one question that um, Todd Singer asked I will not be on the Discord tonight. I'm sorry. Like, like I said, Ian, I'm not kidding. It, oh, we were up late last night for that Eagles Packers game. The Steelers versus the Colts are not going to move the ball for me to get on that Discord. You look at for me on Thursday. I'm always on the Discord. We got a big one this Thursday, and I'm going to be there. I will be tipsy as always, and I will be gambling as always. So you can look for me there. And before you ask, I will not be there for the big uh, Big Ten showdown between Purdue and Michigan either on Saturday. Got family plans, but I'll be there with you in spirit. <laughs> yeah, sounds like you're having fun on Thursday night. Then a little tipsy, a little gambling. That's always a good time. Absolutely, and a, and a great audience. And by the way, folks, the Discord, the I believe the address is below our heads somewhere. Join us. A lot of people, a lot of spirited conversation. It's like Twitter without the polls, okay? Everyone there knows what they're talking about. Everyone there is civil. Yeah, and so that Monday night game tonight, not exciting. Hoping to get back on track with these props, though. Uh, last time I was here with you guys, uh, we were really close on Devontae Smith had that weird – play at the end of the game oh, against gosh. Washington, the lateral fumble. He lost a bunch of yards. I think he was like one yard over uh, on it or was very close there. Jalen Hurts passing yards over didn't hit, but Taylor Heineke went under the passing yardage by like a yep. half a yard or a yard through an interception. And then Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson both went over their rushing yards, I believe, in, nice. in that one too that we had at 33 and a half. So had a, a good day overall. So hoping to keep it rolling and get yeah. all those tonight. That'll do it for the Monday Night Football prop preview. Going to go into our last little segments here, our winners and losers of the week. Mike, I'll start with you. Who was your winner of the week for week 12? My winner of the week was Trevor Lawrence, who had a phenomenal game against the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, it's incremental. Somebody put it best when I was talking to them earlier. It hasn't been a smooth trajectory for Trevor Lawrence 
going from the Urban Meyer experience to Doug Peterson experience. He didn't instantly become Josh Allen. Um, you know, there has been some hot and cold up and down situations. But what I see out of Lawrence's development, and he had amazing plays yesterday, is as a passer, he keeps getting smoother and smoother and smoother, able to make downfield throws, able to make good decisions, able to make tight window throws, et cetera. 20, 25-yard passes on a line on fourth and five, fourth and eight, things like that. The other part of his game still needs a little work. He still has ball security issues. He's He fumbled late in that game, almost get, coughed it up in a fumble, almost coughed the game up in a fourth quarter fumble. But when you put it all together, you have this three-touchdown performance. You have two game-winning drives late in the game with a sandwiched Lamar Jackson drive in the middle to make you have to for, do it again. He's demonstrating everything he has to do to show he's that franchise quarterback who's on that uphill trajectory. Ball security can get fixed. You can learn to put two hands on the ball, eat the ball a little quicker. Yeah. You can't fix – yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't fix – I don't know how to throw a 25-yard pass on fourth and eight. You can't teach that. You can't coach that. You can coach the other thing. That's why Trevor Lawrence is emerging after this big win. He's my winner of the week. What about you? Yeah, a huge win. Got the two-point conversion late. Yeah. The Chargers did the same thing there. So uh, two guys we know who are aggressive. For me, I've got a few guys. Uh, like always, it's always so hard to pick just one or most of the time. Jordan Love, a bit we talked about him already, came in in relief, looked really good, kind of created this bit of a, not really a quarterback controversy, but of a Aaron Rodgers, well, when accounting for Aaron Rodgers' health or lack thereof, creating a little bit of a controversy. Uh, mm-hmm. I think if he would have come in and looked terrible, it would have been all right, even if Rodgers isn't fully healthy, we got to play him. Or if he wouldn't have played at all, say Aaron Rodgers gutted it all the way out, and then it comes out this week, he's not practicing, not practicing, people will be like, oh, no. We don't want Jordan Love. You know, we've got to see Aaron Rodgers. But he played well enough on his, you know, nine attempts and I think uh, a couple drive, 11, 12 plays total. Maybe they ran it a few times. Mentioned some of the throws earlier that he made that just looked really good, throws that he maybe doesn't make before and just looked comfortable in the pocket to me. I think it was a big win for him uh, confidence-wise too, I think, to get out there and have a, a, a pretty good game. And then we talked about Mike White and Elijah Moore. Yeah. Mike White threw for 405. Yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions in his first start last year. Went out this year in his first start, threw for 315, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and really got that Jets offense going. And Elijah Moore had just three catches for 28 yards over his last three games, uh, dating back to October 9th. We know he had all all the trouble with the Jets potentially trading him. No, we're not trading him. He's just not playing. Ended up with two catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown yesterday. So more than doubling his output over the last close to two months in one game uh, yardage-wise. So uh, three big winners this week. And then who's your loser of the week? We'll go on the other side. I think uh, at least one of these guys is definitely a loser this year. Russell Wilson, loser of the week, the month, the year. And really, he's not the loser because he has all the money and he gets to go to the Golden Globes with his wife, et cetera, et cetera, living his best life. Good for him. Everyone else has got to watch him. We're the losers. Nathaniel Hackett's the loser. The Broncos are the losers. Broncos fans are the losers. And that was excruciating and stunning to watch yep. yesterday. The, the level of, of, of just apathy and, 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 and ineffectuality of the Broncos offense. If you thought it was bad before, if you thought it was bad against the Colts, who are, you know, like a somewhat competitive team, particularly on defense, you have to experience what it was like yesterday, where they're getting the ball on like muffed kicks and, 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 and mistakes in the red zone. And he's getting strip sacked, fumbled, throwing incomplete passes. Just the, the running game is not happening. No one looks yep. on the same page. They're settling for field goals. Broncos finally got a touchdown at the at the end of that game. It took them, I think, 12 plays in the red zone to get the <laughs> touchdown. It was fourth and 12 at one point, or fourth, I think it was fourth and eight, and he had a delay game penalty. Veteran quarterback who's won Super Bowls gets a delay game penalty in the red zone when the game's still on the line. Goes back to fourth and 13, throws some garbage pass. Oh, he got roughed helmet to helmet. So you get first and goal. Then you had like three more plays and they get it in. It is painful. It, please make the hurting stop. And at the core of it, we can blame Hackett. and He's he's not blameless. We can blame Andrews. It's Russell Wilson just simply not living up to a fraction of what he's supposed to be doing. Yeah, Denver, the red zone offense all year long, they're dead last. Uh, mm-hmm. Minus 58.8%. I don't know. Um, I'm sure Aaron uh, could could have the numbers if he hasn't pulled them already at some point about historically bad red zone offenses, but that's a really bad red zone offense. Yeah. For Brian did it a couple of weeks ago in, okay. in, in in scramble. Brian's got to go. Brian Knowles has got to do it again. I'm calling if you're listening, Brian. You need to do it again. We need an update because this is historic. 
Yeah, it's ugly to watch. And uh, mine, uh, losers of the week, again, these all come from the same game, kind of a couple people and people that aren't even watching or people just watching the games, but it's Derrick Henry fantasy managers and oh. maybe anytime touchdown betters on that play he had where he took the, the little dump off uh, 70, 70 something yards, got to about the five and had the ball knocked out of his hand. Not sure if he was going to score. He might have been able to get through that hit because he's Derrick Henry and dive yeah. forward. If not, maybe down at the two, they give it to him to to power it in. Mm-hmm. Um, so he fumbles. Luckily for the Titans, fortunately for the Titans, Traylon Burks recovered in the end zone. They got the touchdown. But really sucks if you had money on Derrick Henry to score a touchdown or he was in your fantasy lineup. Because outside of that play, he didn't do a ton. Had like 32 rushing yards, yeah. uh, 79 or 76 receiving yards, a few catches. Ended up, you know, in that 14-ish range, which is still pretty good. But you're missing that touchdown that you you possibly or maybe likely could have had. So that was tough. And then the Titans just in general, a penalty at the end of the game, forcing yeah. a fourth down. The Bengals kicked the field goal to go up seven, but they've got the uh, the penalty for unnecessary roughness, I think is what it is, uh, hitting the center uh, when you're not allowed to hit the center. We all know that. And just knocked right. him back, knocked him over. Uh, Bengals, obviously in this situation, you take the points off the board because you can just kneel out. Don't even get a chance to get the ball again. Uh, Tennessee still would have had to go down and score a touchdown. Probably in the way the league went yesterday would have gone for two to win the game. Maybe still would have lost. Maybe would have gone to overtime. But uh, really tough way to end it for Titans fans who are thinking they're going to get a chance with a, a minute 45 left, whatever it was, to get a chance to get down the field and tie that game up. So losers of the week there. Uh, some people missed out on some fantasy wins. Mm-hmm. Some people probably missed out on some money. And a, uh, a team missed out on a, on a potential win or opportunity to tie there in Tennessee. Yeah, the, the Bengals said Derrick Henry is not beating us on the ground. They're slanting hard. They're bringing forced defenders off the edge and say, you get the ball in the eye formation, there's going to be a guy hitting you in the backfield. And Henry, you know, wasn't able to compensate for that. The Titans compensated a little bit with their play-action passing game and had better passing game than usual. But I, I like the idea on that Henry fumble at the end. This guy's trucking after Henry. He's like, I'm not going to be able to tackle Derrick Henry. By my this is not happening. I've got one chance, poke, and – Gets lucky and does it. Yeah. So, you know, shoot your shot. That's the moral of the story. Yeah, I know it's the betters there uh, struggling. There was one guy I saw this week in college that had a really good betting day. Uh, just uh, reminded me, talking about this, uh, had an 18-leg parlay on, <laughs> I think it was 14 money line bets, 13 or 14 money line, two okay. spread, and three overs. I think they were all overs, three total bets. $10 bet paid out like $110,000, and he won it. And he won it? Yeah, he won it. That's amazing. That's a very good payday. And I know whoever it was that posted on Instagram or on uh, Twitter saw it retweeted uh, a couple times. They like reached out and I had an exchange with him. Um, I'm a, I'm pretty sure it was real. Like I said, I, I checked it a couple times. Like, this is real, right? Had the, the screenshot and everything. And he said he was most nervous in Texas Tech because they tied it up late and ended up winning it in overtime. Most of his other games were pretty good. Uh, but uh, a big win there. Or uh, somebody betting college football. I can't keep an 18-leg parlay straight. Like, in my brain, there's no way I could keep all of those uh, uh, variables in line, especially when some are against the spread, some are straight up. And, oh, yeah, there's a, a prop in there. And, uh, like, there's a basketball bet and a golf bet. I don't, it's too much like work. At that point, it's like, I'm, I'm going to go blow the leaves on my neighbor's yard, make 50 bucks doing that if I'm going to put that much energy into a bread. Two legs, three legs, I love it. But, God bless you. $110,000. If you can keep it straight, Godspeed. Yeah, that's a good day. So none of us uh, had, had a good day. If I had that good a day, I probably would not have been on here this morning. You're not would here. Have been all weekend. That's what happened last week. We know the truth. Right. <laughs> I won. I won big. It was me last one, week. One big, spent it all, and now you're back. Yeah. So that, that'll do it this week. Before we go, just to remind you, if your season-long fantasy teams are floundering, you can play on Underdog Fantasy with us to double your first deposit up to $100. That's a free $100 they're giving away using promo code OUTSIDERS. They've got their Underdog Battle Royale, which is a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than you've got on those traditional daily fantasy sports sites. You can even win fifty grand. It's not that hundred grand on that parlay, but probably got a little better shot at winning fifty grand on their uh, Battle Royale than an 18 leg right. parlay. Be at first there. Or their Pick'em Games, which we talked about with our props. Uh, if you go on there, I did one on Underdog today using the picks that I had. You can pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat line. So you're basically parlaying prop bets for players. And you can do that even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. 
Underdog's the fastest growing fantasy site around. So join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the uh, in the App Store and use promo code Outsiders now to double your first deposit up to one hundred dollars. And then want to remind everyone about FO Plus. Don't forget you can get that as well. Uh, with that subscription, you get access to premium stats and articles, betting picks, fantasy advice, and you get access to all of our data today. That is on Mondays instead of having to wait until Tuesday. So you get that ahead of time on everyone else. And we got a Cyber Monday sale happening, right? Yeah, oh, that's right. It's, I believe it's 25% off, but yeah. you can, you, you'll find it. Go on Twitter or go on the site and you'll see we, it's, a, it's a discount right now. Get FO Plus. Great for fantasy playoffs. Great for the real playoffs. Great for playoff prop betting. And then coming into draft season as that comes around, those of us who handle the draft, we're going to be, we're going to be pivoting soon. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities in the offseason for that. Stay tuned. Yeah, and with the FO Plus, too, if you get the 25% off, you get that now. It's an annual subscription that will take you all the way through next year. So come summertime, right. fall, you don't have to worry about signing up for it. You've already got it for your draft prep and for the beginning of next season as well. So Absolutely. really good deal there, 25% off there. And then, Mike, I think I missed it at the top. Did you have a surprise for us uh, today? I am proud to announce the first annual tree lighting ceremony. <laughs> Here for the Football Outsiders live stream. That's right. We have a holiday, non-denominational holiday tree here. And to celebrate the upcoming holidays, let's get festive. Let's go. Even better than the Rockefeller Center tree. It is is better than the Rockefeller Center. I'll hold it up close so people can bask in its glory. And then I will set it in its triumphant place above the Lane Johnson commemorative Super Bowl Philadelphia Eagles. Light beer, I forget which brand it is, and they're not a sponsor, so screw them. Light beer glasses. Happy Cyber Monday. Happy belated Thanksgiving, everyone. And happy upcoming winter holidays. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me, Mark, being on here with me, Mike. Everyone, thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.